This episode with Adrian Beck and Tim Harris was recorded very early on in 2020 at the beginning of the pandemic in Australia. I was getting a lot of requests for authors to appear on the podcast as book events were getting cancelled and I wanted to feature as many authors as I could. So this was one of the first times I featured two authors in one interview. Tim and Adrian were generous enough to trial it out with me and the episode is the third most listened to for 2020. And ever since then, I've done multiple episodes with more than one author in one interview. We had such a fun conversation that after this episode, Tim co-hosted an episode with Sue Whiting and Adrian has been generous enough to give a lot of his time to co-hosting this podcast. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as everyone else has this year. It's such an honour, Danny, um, to be part of this amazing podcast you're doing here. And it's just really cool to be talking about this book. You know my work and you've given it a lot of thought and um, I don't normally get such good questions, to be honest. <laughs> Your podcast is the one that I listen to when I want to listen to an interviewer who has A, actually read the books she's asking questions about, <laughs> and B, asks really interesting, insightful questions about it. And I think that's really special. Thank you for your wonderful questions. It was a good chat. Great chat. You're a good interviewer. It's an absolute pleasure to be interviewed by a very articulate person such as yourself. I've so enjoyed listening to the podcast. Truly, I love it. And it does just feel like you're having a chat with your mate. <laughs> that's brilliant what you do. Honestly, I'm so in awe and um, we, we need more word nerds like you <laughs> Welcome and thank you for listening to Words and Nerds podcast. I'm your host, Danny V. On this podcast, I chat with authors about their books, the writing process, social and political issues that impact the writing and how literature can change the world. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram or Facebook. Thank you to Christopher Dicker for the beautiful intro and outro. You can find Christopher on Instagram and YouTube. Today I welcome two amazing children's authors, Adrian Beck and Tim Harris, to chat about many things, including their books, Derek Duell, Super Cool and Toffle Towers. This chat includes much mayhem, deep thoughts and Adrian revealing his secret dessert by showing us how to create it. There will also be a video available because it was too much fun not to share. Enjoy. Welcome to the Words and Nerds podcast, Adrian Beck and Tim Harris. Can you hear me? Yeah! <laughs> thank you, thank you. It's amazing Yay. to have you both on the podcast at once to talk about Derek Duell, Super Cool, and Toffle Towers. It's exciting. It's exciting. And uh, when I started writing Toffle Towers all those years ago, I never <laughs> thought I would end up here. But um, I'm glad I brought Chegwin's journey to life. And, and I'm pretty thrilled about all the awards. I'm sure to win for it. Do you know, tr so truthfully, Adrian, I was thinking, um, oh, I'm going to come in here and say, yeah, I had a lot of fun writing, <laughs> writing Derek Duell, <laughs> great minds think alike, or, yeah. or too many cooks spoil the broth, I don't know. <laughs> and yes. uh, all our listeners are totally confused now, so thank you for that. <laughs> We should clarify. So this this is Tim. This is Tim speaking. So I wrote Toffle Towers, and Adrian wrote Derek Duell. So we were we were going to come in here and you know claim each other's title. Mm, it's not true. I uh, I wrote Derek Duell. Uh, I'm proudly super cool, and uh, and and Tim used to 
own a hotel. So we've drawn upon our real life experiences for the books that we're currently uh, out there in the world promoting. Now it's a special interview. It's the first time I've done a group chat. I have no idea how it's going to turn out, but I'm so glad that you're my guinea pigs. I can't think of any better guinea pigs to have, really. That's right. Are you saying we're hairy? <laughs> I'm not going to make any calls on that. <laughs> <laughs> We're either hairy or smelly. I'm not sure which it is, Tim. But small, uh, cute, fluffy. I don't know. Small, cute, and fluffy. Yeah, we'll take <laughs> well, that. With this, you know, with the whole we're in the middle of uh, lockdown. What are we? April the seventh. Um, I haven't had a shower for about four days because I figure it's all digital now, and they haven't <laughs> invented the smell thing. So you know, I don't care <laughs> what's happening this end as long as you can hear me. I'm oh, happy. How does the people you live with feel about this, Tim? <laughs> well. Yes, let's just not go down that track. Um, you know, yeah. The weird <laughs> thing is I caught up with you earlier in the year and I could have sworn you'd already started this program then. <laughs> uh, I walked into that one, didn't I? Yeah, I was going to say, you know, we're all just Skyping each other anyway. Um, you know, I Skype the kids to bed now. It's like I'll be in the lounge room watching television and, and they'll be down the other end of the house and I'll get my phone out <laughs> and call them and say, right, Go to bed. <laughs> I'm in self-isolation here. Gonna... No, that's not true. Hey, but seriously, do you think uh, all this all this crazy virtual stuff is going to change how we operate, society operates, after hopefully we're through all this cra these crazy times? Is this going to change all these apps where we're virtually catching up for coffees and virtually catching up to, you know, do presentations and things like that? Do you think it's going to actually change the way we operate? I hope so in a way. Because I think it's a it's a time for transformation of education, absolutely. Because they've done, like, teachers have done this amazing thing in practically a week, you know, just change the way they yeah. teach and communicate. So I, I hope yes, but I also hope that we can actually see each other in real life again. Because I, you know, eventually I'll miss that. I don't yet. I'm really enjoying being alone. <laughs> I think that person to person stuff is important too. I, I agree. I, I think. Um... There'll be a lot of things that change for good. So there'll be big businesses and companies who go, um, you know what, we've had pretty good productivity from our workers working at home. Do we need to rent that $500,000 a year level, you know, building in North Sydney? Uh, probably not. Um, and I also think for, um, for, I mean, for Adrian and myself, I've got no doubt that there'll be more virtual school visits now for um, authors, uh, virtual workshops and talks. Um, we'll still get to do the face-to-face. -face. It'll come back for sure. But um, a lot of things will, there'll be a bit of a coronavirus hangover in terms of digital work. Um, yeah, no doubts about that. And it's not a bad thing because you're cutting down on traffic and you're cutting down on pollution and all that time. I mean, the time I used to travel to work, I'm using it really productively now because I'm doing productive stuff, not just stuck in a car. Cutting True. down on soap. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, soap and water. You know, these water bills are actually in the positive. There's, there's certainly some advantages. Yeah, I think um, it does depend on how well executed virtual school visits are because if they are done well and they are and, and you know students are clearly gaining a lot from these virtual or digital visits then they could kick on i think you're right in terms of the remote schools adrian um there's certainly um now an avenue to reach those guys without having to drive nine hours and that sort of thing <laughs> And it gives yeah, them more I, access too because those remote schools, yeah. they probably don't get a lot of visits as much as, you know, your city schools would. So it's good for them too. Yeah, that's right. It could be a great thing. It really could. It's just a matter of, of authors like us 
getting our heads around technology. <laughs> but yeah. you know what? We're being forced to at the moment, so we don't really have a choice. We want to continue on with our normal working life. Then we just have to get our heads around it. So, you know, there's no excuses. Get on board. Come That's on. That's it. Get on board. <laughs> Otherwise, what else are you going to do? And look, it's good that you're foregoing the soap, Tim, because you can't find any in the shops anyway. No, that's right. Yeah. There's a lot of shortages of things in the shops. Tim's taken one for the team, so we can get a bar. Yeah. So thanks, mate. It's yeah. a good job. Yeah, well done, mate. Uh, I've been using Adrian's book as toilet paper. So, uh, <laughs> oh, well, thank you very using, much. Were you using the page where his, his photo of him at the back, his oh. seven-year-old photo? If any listeners have this book, Derek Duell's Super Cool, turn right to the back. And you see Adrian no, as a seven-year-old, and it's just the most glorious There's no thing, need. really, that you'll ever see. Feast your eyes, people. Just skip past that part. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know. You, you, the publishers ask you for these things, when, they, when but just before the book's coming out, they sort of get you, they lull you into a false sense of confidence. They're like, oh, this is going to be great. Now, just tell us, uh, you know, a couple of things about why you wrote it and, you know, were you ever trying to be super cool when you were a kid and all that sort of stuff? And I, and I, and I just blurt it all out and I think, yeah, yeah, I'll tell them this, I'll tell them that, this will be fun. And then I remember sending the email and I thought, where is that going to end up? What are they going to do with <laughs> I that? I can tell you and where. Then, yeah, it's in the back book. of the book. Yeah, There's a glorious. picture of me dressed as some sort of convict prisoner. I don't know why. <laughs> but it's just, I love it. It's my favourite thing about the whole book. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry. It's a great book too. <laughs> Thank you. But, you know. <laughs> in all Thank seriousness, you. before we talk about the books, I did want to do a check-in. We've talked a bit about technology, that stuff. But it's also a serious time. It's a time where there's just bad news constantly. And thank you, Adrian, for, you know, dropping me a line on Twitter, asking how I am. Those kind of things make the difference, you know. So in all seriousness, COVID-19 check-in, how are we doing? Well, uh, it's it's tough. It's tough. Um, there's, there's, I have to be honest, it's tough. But it's it could be a much tougher, um, obviously. But it's, uh, you know, staying inside... We like to stay inside. I think um, I think all three of us, to some degree, are probably uh, like you know our own company to a degree, <laughs> and like to uh, operate within the confines of our own space. Usually, that's a choice, and you know it's not so much a choice at the moment. And we're just trying to do the right thing, and uh, that's sort of also complicated by the fact that everyone in your family is also uh, doing that same thing. So you're. You're juggling a lot of uh, commitments from the kids who've all got their different commitments and they're all moving on to virtual learning and you've got uh, spouses who have, you know, got uh, jobs that they need to continue with. So everyone's juggling. The internet's getting a huge workout. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you've got sort of, you've got your internal uh, struggles and, um, and difficulties, which, you know, in the grand scheme of things aren't so really but um they're just a there's just a transition and then you've got all that all that news that you see that pops up in your news feeds and that sometimes you you actually seek it out because you're wondering what the latest updates are and yeah it can it can really play with your head it can it can make you um dwell on stuff and it's hard to take sometimes absolutely yeah the the news feed is it's a hard one it's gets you can easily you know, read too much and that can impact it. I was having a good chat to uh, Belinda Morell about this and we both agreed that it's very difficult to write if you've been reading the news feed because suddenly your mood really drops. Um, mm. 
I find, you know, writing humour almost impossible if you've read a couple of bad news stories. So getting that balance with how much you let in is is certainly key. Um, we have we've got four kids in our house, including a four-month-old, so it's a pretty noisy, busy house. So I think I'm just starting to get the hang of um, knowing when to read the news and when not to read so we can sort of, you know, get a few things done. Um, but it's, it's been a challenge and it's been a challenge for everyone and so it's just finding different ways to adjust. Uh, one, one positive to come out of it um, sort of on the personal, professional level is there's now a bit of extra time to... Uh, like invest in a big project that I've sort of been having just thinking about for quite a while so uh, yeah been pouring a lot of time into that and so that I'm hoping uh, to use term two to, to try and finish it off. Mm, that's good I hope a lot of positive stories come out because you, you're right it's hard and I don't think we can underestimate how hard it is on the young people as well you know they don't see the news as we do but they know that things are changing and they know things are different and there's a bit of a scary world out there so we can't end, underestimate that which is you know why these books are so important Derek Duell, Toffle Towers because it, it, it provides escapism and humour and comedy particularly in these times. Mm. Yeah. What's tough is that uh, was when your kids ask you about it and they want they want to you know they're clearly scared they've heard snippets on the radio as they've been going here and there or whatever snippets on the TV even and you know it, there's 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 talk about it at school or there was when they were still in school so yeah I mean I we tr just try to be honest with them um, but we also try to distract them as you say because you know it's we don't want no no one wants to dwell on it. 24 7 you know so that is why some of these funny books are a great antidote to all this but also tim i interesting that you said before that you've actually been able to spend some time working on other projects because i haven't i haven't written a word since this whole this whole thing has started i just i but for two reasons i'm doing dad school so i'm just <laughs> i'm i'm trying to keep the kids occupied throughout the day but um also i, I just haven't had been in the right headspace to write anything write anything funny anyway yeah. so um I, I think you know we'll all adapt and that'll all change but um yeah i think i suppose there'd be a lot of people that are struggling to focus at this time mm. and even on a small level i mean it's changed the podcast too because i've started these group chats because you know i'm trying to support people who have had their events cancelled and things have changed so yeah i think adaptable being flexible hopefully we have some really good stories and look forward to your project tim whatever that is that is exciting mysterious yeah, it's exciting um yeah um, I, I was I sort of wanted to backtrack to what you said, Danny, though, about the the importance of books, and I think the difference with books at the moment compared to sort of mainstream, you know, media like television or radio is that books allow a very gentle paced escape from reality. So with a book, you kind of are eased into this different world, whereas Netflix will thrust you into a different world, which I don't think can be very helpful if you're sort of if your brain is bouncing too quickly, you know, with all this stuff on. So I'm diving back into an all-time favourite. This is um, Toby Alone by Timothy DeFombo. Yeah, but um, no, books, Books, I think, are a really good thing to be getting into. And apparently, look, I don't know how correct this is, but apparently um, some shelves in – so look, I saw a photo of a big W bookshelf on Instagram and it was actually stripped bare. So mm. they had bought, literally bought every book off the shelf I think it definitely is, especially uh, as parents, because um, you so you do want that escape, and you have suddenly you have a little bit more time. We always do. Uh, we read to the kids every night 
before bed, but suddenly you have that little bit more time. And if you want to sort of calm them down after they've, you know, basically just gone absolutely wild for a couple of hours, <laughs> you, you, you're trying to work out how to calm them down. Sometimes it is, it is sitting them down and reading a book to them and, and, you know, they snuggle up to you on the couch and it's quite a calm moment for, for us all. So I think it's a great way for families to sort of, uh, yeah, distract themselves from the doom and gloom. I love yeah. that, Tim, when you said the, the gentle way of easing into a book. I love that. Yeah. Because that's exactly what it is, isn't it? It's like this cathartic experience. And they say six minutes of reading reduces your anxiety. So it's absolutely true. All right, yeah. let's get on to these books. Tim, 10-second elevator pitch. Talk to me about Toffle Towers. Okay, 10-second pitch. Uh, Toffle Towers is about 10-year-old Chegwin who is – an habitual daydreamer and he has to use his daydreams to save the hotel from going under perfect adrian okay derek Dool thinks he is the coolest kid in school he thinks he's the most handsome he thinks he's the funniest he thinks he's the most athletic and he thinks he's the most charming unfortunately he's the only one who thinks that because <laughs> <laughs> he is the complete opposite and He's determined to prove to everyone that they're wrong and he's right. And Adrian, how autobiographical is Derek Dool? Ah, oh, <laughs> come on, Danny. You know how cool I am. I do, I do. <laughs> it's proven by the photo in this book. <laughs> Look, um, you know what? I do, I put that completely out of my mind when I was writing it. I didn't. I didn't really think about um, you know having to explain how autobiographical it is um but I get, there's there's definitely some similarities and even scott scott who did the um illustrations admitted to me the other day that he based it on me <laughs> i looked at it thinking oh this is a cheeky looking kid he's a funny cheeky sort of fella this is this, is, this has worked out well you know a bit of a rat bag <laughs> look at him got the red hair what a nuggety little fella and he's based it on me Unbelievable. I love that. Now I'm looking at the picture of Adrian Beck at seven years old and the front of the cover, and you know, I'm seeing it. I, I am. What? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, there is a lot of stuff in there. There's a lot of stuff in there that uh, definitely happened to me. It was one of those books where I was just sort of writing away. And I was I, oftentimes when I'm writing, I'm thinking about what's the reader going to think, what's the publisher going to think, what's Danny from Words and Nerds going to think. <laughs> yeah, I'm and sure, I'm sure you are. I've got all those, <laughs> I've got all those things going on in my mind. And for this one, I just thought, you know, I don't care what anyone thinks. I'm just going to write whatever I like, and uh, you know, they'll tell me to change it anyway. So who cares? I'll just write this first draft. And I shot it through, and remarkably, uh, there wasn't a heck of a lot. Like, you know, there's there's the, the the usual stuff, the usual changes, you know, um, spelling mainly. <laughs> Uh, but um, but it wasn't there wasn't you know crazy changes there wasn't uh, elaborate stuff that they want to change so um, awesome. in the end I f I forgot that I'd been so candid about life as a uh, ten year old and uh, it ended up in the book and uh, n yeah now everyone asks me how true it is and I have to admit that you know there's there's a lot of Derek in me I'm afraid I was character. trying to be pretty cool he's a great character <laughs> nothing wrong with Derek. <laughs> Oh, thank you, thank you. I, I think I think he's the coolest kid in school. I remember um, you were telling me um, your concept for Derek was a protagonist who the reader is borderline whether they like him or not. You wanted to kind of push that boundary, but they make him likable. How how did how did that end up going? That's a tricky balance. It's a really tricky balance because um, yeah, you want him to be 
you know, he, you want him to be the anti-hero and you want him to be doing all those things. Like he's like Alvin from Alvin and the Chipmunks or he's like Pig from Pig the Pug. You want him to be doing all those things that if you just let yourself run wild, you would go into a room and do, you know, if you just let your ego <laughs> take off. But then at the same, by the same token, you don't want people who are reading it to think, oh gosh, what a jerk this guy is. I mean, they think that, yeah. but hopefully there's this subtle undercurrent of, you know, I get why he's doing that. And then I I was I was trying to be clever about just dropping a couple of moments where Derek reveals himself fully, uh, especially when he t- chats with his dad. And I think that when the reader gets to those bits and has the full context of Derek, they go along the ride with him. But it is it is a bit of a balancing act, writing a character that's a bit of a ratbag, really, but ultimately means well, I hope. Have you ever written a uh, a character that's uh, unlikable, Tim? And have you found that a challenge? Um, no, I don't. I don't think so yet. Uh, well, well, yeah, I don't think so. Not as a protagonist, anyway. Um, so, it, yeah, when you were telling me about it, I remember thinking, "Gee, that's going to be a tough juggle as a writer to get that balance right." Uh, so, yeah, when I finally steal Derek back off my kids, I'm looking forward to. I, re- I didn't read the first chapter. I'm looking. I love that line about how. Um, it's sort of you take the reader through a journey um, of Derek's anatomy and how right down near his kidney there's that little part <laughs> that no one else has that you know wanting to be cool. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I that's have, his have, awesome organ. His awesome, awesome organ. organ. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I really don't think you should use that term, Adrian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I reckon Derek is. I didn't find him unlikable at all. I actually felt like we all have a bit of Derek inside us because it does I don't even think it matters if you grew up as a dork or you grew up cool there's always that sense of I'm not good enough I don't fit in in some point in your life and so I reckon Derek we've all got a bit of Derek inside us we all want to if not be cool kind of fit in somewhere yeah yeah look um hopefully look it's it was a bit of a balancing act and hopefully uh yeah we've got the balance right um I mean, he's he's got the you know Dennis the Menace. He's got a little bit of Dennis the Menace about him, and he's got a little bit of Rick Mail about him from. Um, oh, I loved that when you said a little, that. a little bit, yeah, a little bit from the young ones. But you know, if you take some of those rat bag type characters, which you know you sort of love, and and I guess you sort of love uh, Basil Fawlty in some ways too. And there's a bit of Basil in Derek too, and I'm sure there is a, a, a that might have been an influence on Tuffle Towers, Fawlty Towers in some ways, Tim. But um. You know what I loved about what I love about the comedy of um, Basil Fawlty is that if something's going wrong, he'll go to the abs- great lengths just to either to pretend it's not going wrong or to try and fix it, even though he should have just you know given up you know yeah. <laughs> five or six attempts ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so um, I tried to take that element uh, for Derek and all the problems and all the slapstick issues that that he basically causes himself he should have just given up and you know quit while he's behind a couple of attempts ago but um there's all so i watched a lot of those i watched a lot of british comedy from you know uh right up until the 90s like it crowd and um you know young ones and one of my absolute favorite favorites father ted um and i just wanted to get sort of that absurd silly fun humor into it and yeah i i and i as you say tim i was really focused on Writing a character that wasn't necessarily, um, you know, not that all characters are goody two shoes, but he was—he's well, not necessarily a goody two shoes. He's—he's—he's um, he's, he's got—he's got a bit of an agenda, but hopefully uh, we can see through that 
to a degree as we're reading along with him, as we go on his journey. And bringing the young ones to a new audience, so important. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it's got to be done. Yeah, I, I really want to see, this is what I would pay good money to see. I would pay great money to see Adrian Beck doing a Zoom session with 200 eight-year-olds across Australia trying to teach them about the young ones. Let's do this. <laughs> I will be there. <laughs> you just show them clips. I reckon they'd laugh. An important education, I reckon. Now, Tim, I really liked getting inside your character's mind, but I think I also got a bit of an insight into your brain. I mean, butlers stuck to ceilings, baths running down driveways, reverse muggings. I want to know how you come up with this stuff. <laughs> okay, yeah, so uh, Toffel Towers is, so it's different to the first eight books uh, that I'd written in terms of it's not short stories. So it, it is one main story. And the challenge for this one for me was to, to break up the concepts because in those previous eight books, um, funny scenarios could essentially be thrust into their own short story uh, and, and kind of left there. And so, yeah, so the book is broken up by these strange um, scenarios um, and then I think I've tried to balance it out with some more subtle humour as well. So there's quite a lot of dialogue humour in Toffel Towers, um, which and the goal there is by having a bit of dialogue humour and, um, and some subtle humour between the out there stuff, is that it gives the the more quirky ideas or the wild ideas uh, it's had more emphasis. You know, if, if they were all put together back to back to back to back, um, it could become tiresome for the reader. Yeah, so, but that was a lot of fun thinking of, and, and essentially the hotel provided a perfect backdrop for some bizarre scenarios um, across, across not only the series but in um, each book as well. Uh, where did they come from? Uh, some of it was planned, some of it was spontaneous. And uh, so I'm a bit of a post-it note planner where I like to map out all the beats of the story. But within that planning, there is there's deliberately some downtime in the story for uh, things to be, to be thought of on the spot. Uh, sometimes that hurts as a writer because um, I did have a huge edit with book three, which was easily the toughest edit I've had to do. But um, uh, the result, you know, getting, working through that edit um, paid off. I'm really happy with this story now but yeah it can be a balance getting it right mm, so both of you just have to quit the news so you keep coming up with this crazy funny stuff <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. hey tim i wanted to ask you uh, uh danny said that she sort of gets into the mind of of tim harris but tim harris was saying to me before toffle towers came out he was writing a story about a dreamer and you can sort of see that a lot with Chegwin because he sort of trails off into his thoughts and, uh, you know, his daydreams and all that sort of stuff. And I was wondering, is that something that you your brain does or is that something that, that inspired by someone you know? Uh, okay. So, look, I'll be honest here. <laughs> <laughs> I would hope you know so. How, yeah. <laughs> you know how when you leave year 12, um, you well, not all schools, but a lot of schools will let you get a um, like a nickname across the back of your, your jersey. So when I was in year 12, I had the word dreamer uh, stitched across the back of my year 12 jersey. And that was there for two reasons. Uh, I really did love just imagining things, and yeah. that was a genuine part of it. And the other reason, this is pretty dorky, I'm a massive Supertramp fan. <laughs> <laughs> And so I thought I've, I've got to have a double, you know, reference with this one. Uh, so uh, for those who don't know, Supertramp had a song called Dreamer in uh, 1974. Yeah, Dreamer, that's the one. So, yeah, so 
Back to the question. Soundtrack. <laughs> is it based on truth? That was lovely, Danny. Well done. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> We've all switched Danny identities. Uh, yes. Yeah, so back to the question. It was. It's a little bit, you know, a little bit um, of Tim Harris in there. But really, the extent of Chegwin's daydreaming is is uh, deliberately off the charts. And so that was um, a lot of fun, just to think. Well, what you know, how far could this kid's daydreaming go uh, to the point of? A, getting him into a lot of trouble, but B, equipping him with some tools to navigate the, um, the, the story. And I think a lot of creative people and a lot of people who write, they do get stuck in their head and they do a lot of that daydreaming. Absolutely. And in fact, these days with all the distractions, like with your mobile phones and, you know, you, whenever you go on a walk, you put in a podcast. I mean, there's no, nothing wrong with a podcast, Absolutely obviously. Words not. And you should definitely put in a podcast when you go for a walk. <laughs> but... From time to time, from time to time, it's good to uh, it's good to tune out just a little bit to all those distractions and yeah, let yourself dream because that's when you come up with your best stuff. And I think uh, you know, kids that are allowed to uh, get bored rather than be distracted by something every minute of the day, that's when they come up with their like. And I know my girls come up with their most amazing games that they come up with is when they're you know to be creative because they don't have a million uh, stimulus coming at them. Yeah. So I think it pays to dream. So I, I totally agree. love the fact that Chegwin's crazy ideas in Toffle Towers, they lead to these terrific, you know, ways of him saving the hotel, which I think it's a great message. It's awesome. And getting back to that, Adrian, I think when we were kids, we didn't have so many distractions. We were bored a lot, you know, and we went out and we got yeah. on our bikes and went out to the park and did all sorts of crazy stuff. And it does worry me sometimes that I think our kids may not have that sense of boredom, which creates creativity. So I encourage boredom quite a lot. <laughs> well, look, at, you know, we were talking about how it's easy to get caught up in the, the negative feed, you know, during lockdown. But throughout that, there's a heck of a lot of videos coming out where people have been extremely creative, mm. uh, no doubt induced by their boredom. You know, we've yes, got the yes. videos of teenagers um, turning their basements into incredible, um, you know, stunt rooms and uh, all these amazing artistic things coming out, uh, people doing concerts from home, uh, you know, 10 words story competitions. There's just the internet's now, it's flooded with, I think it's flooded with two things. It's the negative stories and then all these, you know, wild creative ideas as well. Mm. And that's another positive thing that hopefully can come out of it. We can switch off a bit from the news. Yeah. Our question for both of you, how do you know what a kid's going to find funny? Uh, I, I, I have no idea what a kid's going to find funny. <laughs> but I just write what I think is funny, um, what I think is stupid, um, and what I think... <laughs> Um, is a little bit wild and approaching the edge of what's appropriate. Um, and if that's if I can get all that thrown in together in a broad sort of silly way, then yeah, I I think that that means I'm on the right track. And then um, yeah, and then fortunately, uh, most of the time it does mean I'm on the right track. But um, yeah, I, I I really couldn't tell you. I I just try and make myself laugh and um if i've if i've made myself laugh then i think hopefully someone's gonna be someone else is gonna laugh at this too who knows i like that <laughs> tim what about you yeah um i think there's there's probably i mean you, you look at the books that have sold millions 
and there's a lot of you know fart jokes and that kind of thing so there's always there's always sort of safety in a certain style of humor so i like to make sure that there's a bit of the safety humor so but not i try to not put too much of that sort of stuff into my books um and i like to deliberately use different styles of humor to hopefully appeal to different types of readers so for example there'll be some um you know strange scenarios or quirky scenarios um classic you know a british comedy technique you know um putting a character into a an awkward situation so an example um Chegwin accidentally orders fifty thousand liters of milk instead of 50 liters of milk and so straight away that scenario is going to open itself up to humor um, then there's dialogue humour, so getting the characters to bounce off each other and wordplay. Kids really like wordplay. Um, do all of them find it funny? Probably not, but, you know, a lot of kids do. Um, right down to some, you know, and I like to, and I'm sure Adrian's the same, never insult the intelligence of kids as readers. And so I, I like to put some really, really subtle stuff in there that I know there'll be a couple of readers who'll pick pick up on it, not laugh out loud. They might just get a little smile. Uh, so an example of that would be um, Chegwin receives an email um, from a guy who wants to book at his room and the end of the email has um, the guy's slogan for his company uh, and it's an awful slogan. The slogan says, so the guy works for a car company and the slogan says if your engine's not running then that's a big fat shame and you should probably bring it to us and then underneath that slogan it has like his list of awards and achievements and it says uh 23rd place at the small business slogan awards three years running (laughs) and so you know that kind of thing there's just there's only a select few you know readers that will get that but i like putting it in there just just to see who you know who'll pick it up so how do i know if it's funny I don't, but I work on the notion that by deliberately including different types of humour and different levels of humour, it's going to hit different readers at different times. Yeah. And, well, I don't know about you, Tim, but uh, all those different types of humour, that's a really good way of approaching it. But I also, when we're reading to my girls, I listen to what they're laughing at and what they find funny and what sometimes they don't. And so I, I never ever read any of my stuff to them. I I just could not I could not handle <laughs> could not handle them 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 hating it. Um, but <laughs> but uh, I definitely you know we read Toffle Towers together, which uh, which they loved, and we read a whole bunch of other um, books together. And it's it, it's good for two reasons because yeah you do learn you do learn about um, where they laugh and you you sort of have a think to yourself why they're laughing at that point. And then you know whether it's subconscious or not. You sort of, I, I don't think you can help but bring that into your own writing. And also, you know, when you're reading along with your with your kids, you know, you're staying you're staying up with all the latest, you know, great books that are out there. So it's actually kind of it kind of helps in two ways. They're a great focus group, kids. Actually, <laughs> I was going to ask kids. that actually, your own kids. <laughs> <laughs> the only reason the only reason we had them is so that I could make sure that my writing was hilarious. So yeah. uh, <laughs> tick. tick. <laughs> Tim, question for you. Why do you write? I write because it's a very enjoyable form of expression and um, there's certainly an intrinsic rewarding for um, pulling off a chapter or a book that that you're very proud of. Um, And I also write because I do like telling stories and 
I've got some of my circles of friends have got um, some people that are exceptionally good at telling stories, stories in conversation. And I'm actually not that great at telling stories in conversation with my uh, with my friendship groups. So I sort of that had been a bit of a frustration, you know, uh, for me over the years. But I found that by taking a bit more time and getting those words down onto paper, um, I can tell a story perhaps, you know, more articulately than I could in conversation. Um, I have now, that said, I've been practising telling stories to groups of kids, you know, the last few years doing school visits, and I've got a few stories that I'm I'm pretty happy with how they come across, you know, in spoken form. Um, So why do I write? Definitely so, because I love telling stories, and uh, for me it's probably my best way of telling stories. Um, And there's a real, yeah, there's a real enjoyment when, when a story comes out and, you know, you're happy with the end result. Good answer. Adrian, why do you write? Why do I write? Uh, I think two reasons why I write. One is uh, my brain is always ticking over with heaps and heaps of different ideas and I just need to get them down. So, you know, I'm just lucky that once I've got them down, some of them actually get out to other people. But there's a whole bunch of stuff on my computer, which, you know, there's hundreds of ideas. Because I have, I, I'm lucky in that way because, um, yeah, I'm always thinking of a new idea. And so I have to write. I have to get it out of my head. Um, but also, I, I, why I love books, why I love film, why I love TV, why I love any sort of storytelling is because, you know, that feeling you get when you do get swept up and you get swept away by a story. It's just, it's one of the best feelings in the world. Mm. And uh, the ego in me is like, I wonder if I could make other people feel like that when I wrote something, you know, <laughs> it's like, so uh, when you get inspired and you feel that feeling, and it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen all that often, but um, it happens often enough that, um, you know, you recognize it and you want to feel it again. And if you could inspire that in someone else and particularly someone who's a, a kid and you turn them on to stories and reading and books and stuff, that that would be an amazing achievement, uh, and so yeah, I would I would love to think that I've contributed in some way like that somewhere down the track. I love that answer because books are beautiful. Why wouldn't you want to try and create your own and put more in the world? Yeah, exactly. The most important part of the interview now, uh, Tim, chocolate. What oh, Tim, hey. you're gonna sing. Is this where Tim sings? Yes, it is actually. <laughs> Super tramp. Yeah, come on, Tim. I wish they had a song about chocolate. So I, I'm a bit guilty, and I should apologise to the listeners. Um, you know, whilst making an admission, um, I did. I genuinely did buy chocolate for this interview, but I bought it this morning, and the interview is at night time, and it's been sitting. Well, it was sitting on my desk for part of the day, and now it's sitting somewhere else. <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, I'm going to eat my, uh, I've got and a 70% thank you. lint, dark chocolate lint ball here, and I'm just going to eat it in front of you. 70%, no, that's, pre- that's pretty hardcore. It's pretty hardcore. I worked my way up from 40, now I'm deep into the 70. Yeah. yeah. What's the highest? Uh, I think, did we talk about this in yeah. one of the other? 90 is disgusting. Disgusting. Yeah, okay. It yeah. tastes like you're yeah. eating yeah. dirt. So 70 is all I'm yeah. going. <laughs> What have you got, Adrian? Oh, well, I'm going to single-handedly change the face of confectionery Ooh. as we know it on this podcast, oh, okay? Wow. Now, this is this is something that I've created. Now, we used to have – we used to have um, – uh, when I when I worked in TV the last couple of years, we used to have a whole bunch of, of treats that were laid out on the on the table side of stage, 
<laughs> and and uh, I used to combine a couple. I used to combine a couple. Now I have to. Be, I have to apologise to all those healthy people out there. We're in lockdown. No one's healthy. Okay, so what you need to do here? Okay, oh, so you off your uh, Lint once again. Uh, happy to be sponsored by Lint. If anyone, if Mr. <laughs> Lint is listening, um, I'm happy to be your spokesperson. Uh, very little pay. In fact, I'll get paid in raspberry intense. And so you take the raspberry intense, and I'm ripping it oh open as God, we this speak. This is like a cooking show now. Okay. Okay. Wow. Now you take out the um, video version, Danny. Yeah, well, I'm gonna have to now. <laughs> Oh, I've broken them all up. Well, I need two squares. I need two can squares you, can that you are. Hold uh, it up, because we'll, we might show a snippet of this. Hold your bowl. Have you got a bowl there? I haven't. I ha- oh, hang on. I'll. I'll. What I'll do is I'll. I'll it's like take a Gordon photo Ramsay's of the in the house. Okay, Gordon Ramsay's here. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Gordon uh, Ramsay's got nothing on me. Uh, so what you do is now, now listen, just, Tim. Listen, just, Tim. You're stop, not learning. Stop, stop. I want to say one thing, <laughs> what? Danny. Do you have any idea where this is going? No, I really, I'm really too <laughs> I'm lost. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. This is what we use. This is what I used to do at with the snacks at at tea, and I haven't had a chance to eat this. So I um, so I you get you your two it. bits. You get your two bits of raspberry lint, okay? You got your two squares there, right? And then what you do, this is the secret ingredient, okay? This is what you do. You grab your retro party mix, okay? You get that out, and then no, you select a banana, a banana, okay? And you put that on top of one of the squares, and you put the other square on top. And there, voila, as the French never say, you have a raspberry intense banana sandwich and i'm going to just take a photo of that and i'm going to share this it doesn't look all that appetizing to be honest but <laughs> trust me it is Can it I is delicious all right i was just i was gonna eat it okay this is a yeah, delicacy show me, show me, you, you people don't seem to realize you don't seem to realize how good it is okay so you got your little you got your banana wow, raspberry is... lint sandwich and then you go, oh, mm, <laughs> mm, <laughs> mm, <laughs> oh, that is delicious. That is probably oh, the weirdest thing oh. I've ever seen. Yeah, I thought it was making soap. <laughs> You're not is, familiar with soap. Really. That is next episode, Tim. <laughs> mm. Now that, now that is delicious. Now that just Seriously. makes my lint ball as delicious as it is. It makes it a bit boring. I need to go dip it in. I don't know, something exciting. Uh, grab yourself some lint raspberry and make a little sandwich of it with a banana lolly and, as Molly Meldrum would say, do yourself a favour. You will, You will not be disappointed with that creation. And, you know, I'm so happy that I have, you know, I try and learn something every podcast and that was it, so thank you. <laughs> uh, that's right. And I might trademark that because um, I think that's going to be a winner. Thank you for your time this evening. Thank you so much for writing these wonderful books that will help us escape, help our children escape. Adrian can't talk because he's just shoved the whole thing in his mouth. <laughs> I had to finish it. I couldn't stop. I couldn't finish it. I had to finish it up. <laughs> I'm trying to get it down. That is good. Uh, now, that is good. <laughs> well, Tim, I think you and I, over the Easter break, we're going to have to trial this and we're going to have to... Uh, Take a photo of our own little lint banana sandwich and, and give him the thumbs yeah. up or the thumbs down. What do you reckon? I'm thinking of, yeah, I agree. I'm thinking of bending the rules on that one and doing bananas on the outside. Ooh. 
something sad. You guys are crazy, honestly. This this is getting crazy it's, now. It's, it's dangerous. It's dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> this is how introverts go crazy, mm. honestly. Yeah. <laughs> a wild night out with us. Yeah, boredom doesn't breed creativity. Yeah, boredom breeds hunger. <laughs> That's right. Oh, Ooh, he's going yum. for another one. He's going got another one floating <laughs> up. <laughs> this could get ugly. So always such a pleasure to talk to you individually, and it's been just, you know, double awesomeness to talk to both of you at the same <laughs> yeah. time. Thank you so much for having us, Danny. It's been wonderful. And um, I hope that we haven't put you off the group chat, but um, <laughs> we'll see, I guess. <laughs>